If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Time to Tell podcast, episode 11. We are your hosts, Sam and Katie Gasho. This podcast is a conversation about when life doesn't turn out like you planned. If you are just now joining our podcast, we are glad you're here. And if you would like to hear more of our story of battling cancer twice, go back and listen to episodes two through five. This episode today is for the person who is feeling the realness of losing a loved one, of receiving a diagnosis, of reeling from a major loss and not knowing which end is up of the person who doesn't know what to do next. And we want you to know that you are not alone. That's right. That we have felt these things, and there are many others that have felt them as well. And so our goal today is just to talk about this phase when the newness of the tragedy and the loss is felt and we can't continue like we have before with our life. It's like there is is a stopping that has to happen. And we don't really know how to move forward. And so we're just going to talk about that today. That's right. And I think I just want to go back to when I received my diagnoses or, or that day that you found out or you're finding out that everything is getting ready to change in your life. And your life will not go back to the way that it was before this event happened and what that feels like. And I remember just feeling numbness, uh, feeling shock, feeling sadness, losing my appetite, not really knowing how to find relief from it. You know, I I could go to the store and get groceries and, you know, do the things I needed to do for my family or go to work. But it was always on the back of my mind. Still there. And feeling afraid of the future, not knowing what my future looked like, especially the second time understanding what cancer treatment is, knowing how difficult it is to, on your body physically, I I was very... Um, I was afraid of that. I didn't know. I had moments where I would tell you, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do this right. again. Yeah. I, for me, as you know, your husband going through this, I didn't want to walk this walk at the beginning. When we, the day we found out, we were driving home. We were in separate cars. And it was, 
I just had the feeling of we have to do this, but I don't want to. Yeah. And I didn't even want to tell people because telling people made it real. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be real. Right. Right. I, I knew we had to move forward and there was, that was going to come, but yeah, it was, we didn't want to, we had to figure out how to move forward. Mm-hmm. We had to figure out how to tell people from going from happy-go-lucky to and joking around to, oh, by the way, this tragedy has just come upon us. Mm-hmm. And making the space for people to come into the tragedy with us. Yeah. You know, there are nights when we would get together with close friends and just cry yep. together. Conversations on the phone with our family where we would talk it through yeah. with them and discuss it. You and I having early morning coffees, you know, on our couch, just not sure how we would were going to move forward. Yeah. And really, literally... The only thing you can do is is just one step at a time when you're in this phase. Right. When you're first finding out. You're going to – you still have to get the kids ready for school. You still have to get everybody going. You still have life happening around you, but you're now dealing with this tragedy, mm-hmm. this huge loss that you have to figure out how to deal with. Right. And we want to say that it's okay – to allow yourself to to feel those things, to feel the numbness, the shock, the fear, the uneasiness. All of those things are okay. And you don't have to put a mask on and pretend like you're okay when you just received really devastating news because you think that's what everyone needs from you. That isn't what they need from you. Uh, they need your honesty and your realness. And we found that to be the case for us, that... We didn't have to pretend. And we really made our world small at the time, too. You know, right. people that don't know you very well, they don't need to be a part of this. It's okay. You don't need to feel like you need to include everyone. And if you're hurting people's feelings and, you know, that's not what this is about. This is about survival. Yeah. And so the people that are going to help you survive this are the people that you draw near to and the people that you talk to. But the people who aren't and maybe you're just a little nosy and just want the information and want the story, they don't need to be close to you during this time. So it's not rude, um, it's not selfish to protect yourself a little bit right? from who you allow in to your hardship and your pain. You need to allow people in, but it needs to be the right people. Yeah, make sure it's the right circle. That, that will help you. Yeah. Um, I just remember, too, not knowing how I was going to go through the steps I needed to go through to go to, you know, um, chemotherapy uh, to go through radiation again, I told you, you know, I don't, I don't know my, the day of my first treatment, I said, I don't really know at this point how I'm going to go. I don't know how you're going to get me in the yeah. car. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to get me in that room because I don't know that I can do this. I really don't think I can do this. I do not think I can walk in. I do not think I can be hooked up to chemotherapy again and then come home and be sick again from it. And you know, the day came though, and I had the strength. Right. And for me, I, so in having coffee and I would listen to you say, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And I had to take the role of the motivator, the, the one who is 
yes, we have to do this. We can do this. We can move forward. We have to move forward. We have a family. You know, I was the the cheerleader, the motivator, the the one to drive you for for the first several treatments. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first treatment that we went to. You talked to me, and you on the way you were said you said you know what are your dreams? I want you to tell me what some of your dreams are, and we just kind of talked about those because I think you were trying to get my head out of the fear and the right now to look to the future and realize there is going to be a future on the other side of this. And I think that conversation really helped me distract me, but it also helped me realize like, this isn't the end. This is a really hard thing we have to go do, but it isn't the end. And also reminding me that there's a team of people that will take really good care of you when you get there. Yeah. They're going to take care of you. They're going to help you with side effects. You know, we, and, we've described in, I think the last couple of episodes, we, we went and got different opinions. Mm-hmm. And so we honestly felt like we were going to the best place we could go. Mm-hmm. And, and that gave me reassurance and, and able to encourage you. Yeah. And one little part of the story, when I, at, at the beginning of my diagnosis, we didn't know that I needed chemotherapy because I was stage one. So the first group of doctors I talked to said, we don't think you need it. If you just do the surgery and possibly radiation, you'll be okay. Well, then I had another appointment and there are many different types of breast cancer. So the type of breast cancer that I had required chemotherapy. And so when I found that out, that was a shock. So it just felt like it was getting going from worse to worse. Like, oh, you've had a mastectomy, but you still somehow got breast cancer, but you probably won't need chemotherapy. Oh, wait a second. You are going to need chemotherapy. Surprise. Oh, wait, you are going to need radiation. And it wasn't that people weren't doing their job. It was just as we were finding out more about the type of cancer I had and learning more about how it presented itself and my my personal situation, this is just what had to happen. Right. My sister came over. It was this time of year, three years ago. and This time being? Um, yeah, like right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. Yeah. And I, uh, she came over and we were going to go have lunch. And just kind of talk through things. She walked in the door and I was, I was crying. You know, it wasn't, and she doesn't, she lives out of state. You know, I, I wasn't like, oh, good to see you, hugs. You know, I was, I was crying. She just walked in and she was like, oh, you know, and just sat and we talked and I told her how afraid I was and, you know, well, so let's go get some lunch. And on the way I told her, you know, I can't go in a restaurant. I don't feel like I can handle a crowd right now, which was weird for me because typically I would have loved to do that and would have been a good distraction, but I just couldn't do it. So we got takeout and we came back home and I didn't feel like I could wrap my gifts. So she wrapped my gifts. You know, I didn't feel like I could bake cookies with our kids. So she baked cookies with our kids. That is the reality of what it feels like when you get news like this. It does paralyze you a little bit and it makes it hard to do basic things. And that can feel kind of scary, but it's really normal and it doesn't last forever. It's just for a period of time. You know, once I got used to the idea and we had a plan and, you know, I was underway with treatment, I didn't have those issues at all. And I was able to engage in those things. But at the very beginning, the shock and the fear was paralyzing. And I don't know how it can't be, you know, when you learn news that is going to change your life forever. Yeah. I think the the routine of everyday life helped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Getting kids here and there and. Mm-hmm. When you could, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really had to just take one day at a time. And I know that feels like maybe that phrase is overspoken, but it, it really was helpful for me to not go too far in the future and think about, well, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? Sometimes it would be, um, you know, just, okay, so today I can take a shower and get dressed and I can pick up my kids up from school, but I'm not going to be able to make dinner and, but I can be here and help my kids with their homework. And that needed to be okay. You know, it just kind of needed to be, you know, one day at a time. And then maybe later on in the process, especially with treatment, because they were every three weeks, I could clean the house and cook dinner, you know, and do all that. But, you know, but there are days or get together with a friend, you know, and that was the treatment that you were going through at the time. There were some, I know some people that have gone through cancer treatment that they didn't stop working, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but for us, it was a very hard regimen of chemo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so making dinner wasn't, and I could help with that, or we had friends that would help with that. Oh yeah. Some some people don't have that option. Yeah. But you're right. They don't. But thankfully, we did. And thing was too is like it wasn't just during my treatment time that I needed help. It also was after. You know, I really uh, was very depleted at the end, and I didn't expect that. So I had to go through months of the process of rebuilding, and needed a lot of support in that time frame too. And so. It still was one day at a time. Yeah. Even when I was done, I wasn't sure what I would be capable of in a day physically, what I was going to be able to do emotionally. You know, some days I was paralyzed emotionally by the grief and the loss that I felt, uh, the frustration, the anger, all of that. And, you know, so it really, I think it was just one breath at a time, one day at a time. And that was really the process that I think we had to go through. And, and kind of just the whole concept of accepting that this is not the way I thought my life would go. Right. You know, um, and settling into that reality and, and understanding that in that moment of accepting that reality, you don't have to come up with a plan B. You don't have to fix it yeah. in that moment, but just really accept that, okay, this has happened and this is not going how I thought. Um, and so I'm just going to allow this process to happen and to, and unfold. Yeah. Yeah. So it was at this point, uh, right after your diagnosis, I was really, I personally was reeling and trying to figure out which end was up. Um, it was at this point one morning I was reminded of a story, um, of an army general. Uh, this general was preparing for battle. He had about 32,000 men. He was short on supplies and needed food and weapons. Uh, The enemy that he was looking at was about 135,000, so roughly 100,000 people more than he had. In preparation for this battle, this general, he began to pray. and, And God instructed him to invite everybody who was afraid to go home. And when he did that, 22,000 people went home, which left him with about 10,000 people. Uh, now a little scared himself, the general went back to praying. The uh, God told the general to take the men to the river to drink and, and to watch them. The general uh, 
was told to send those home who got down and lapped water direct from the river like a dog. Those who brought the water up to their mouth um, were to stay. This showed the general that these men were poised and ready to fight at any moment. The general then sent not over 9,700 men home, which left 300 people to fight. When the time came for the battle, the 300 men snuck out and spread out around the valley where the enemy was camped. And when he signaled, all 300 men started yelling and making all kinds of noise. When this happened, God caused such a fear and confusion in the enemy camp that the enemy started fighting and killing each other. The general and his 300 men went on to defeat the enemy in what turned out to be an amazing story. God did the fighting. This story I'm talking about is the story of a man named Gideon. It's from the book of Judges in the Bible. God instructed Gideon to divide his men from over 30,000 men and whittled them down to 300 in order to show that he was going to fight the battle for Gideon. Gideon just had to simply walk forward and do what he was asked to do. What I was shown on this day uh, is that Katie and I were going to battle. Chemo and radiation was going to happen. It was, it was definite. We were going to deal with the pain, the struggle, and the loss. But God was going to do the fighting for us, and he was going to win. We want to thank Heartsong for their sponsorship of this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Heartsong, you can visit their website at myheartsonginc.org. If you'd like to contact us or if you have any questions or would like to shoot us some suggestions or comments, please email us at timetotell98 at gmail.com. And we'll meet up at the next episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.